It's go time for the Athlete Fix Podcast, helping you help others win at life. Introducing your friendly neighborhood host, JG. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Athlete Fix Podcast, helping you to help others win at life. That's the aim of the game of the podcast, is to disseminate knowledge, help you to increase your confidence when it comes to particularly treating athletic uh, individuals, athletic clients, and uh, to help you enjoy your job more. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, we're all passionate about helping people, but we also want to be able to feel fulfilled and enjoy the process. So today's guest, I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, her name's um, Sonia Fierro. She is a sports osteopath, uh, but she's also many other things, flexibility coach, um, CrossFit coach. Uh, she's a very accomplished athlete in her own right, holding records in uh, powerlifting, deadlifting. She has a wealth of knowledge and experience managing and treating athletic individuals, everyone from sort of the more recreational participant up to elite athletes. And I really wanted to get her on the podcast to sort of sort of share her process, her principles when it comes to programming. So that's the um, aim of the episode today. And without further ado, let's join Sonia. Hey. Hello. How, How are you doing? doing? All good? I'm good. Oh, wait. I'm good. How are you, though? Wait, How are you feeling? Okay. Here we go. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How's the little one? All okay. The little one is good. She has COVID. Um, oh, no. Yeah. But she's not thing. too bad. Yeah, she hasn't got a temperature, luckily. So it's only just a runny nose and, uh, oh, yeah, okay. just a little bit more cuddly than usual. Oh, that's But so hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully she'll uh, sleep for the next half an hour. I may have to walk around, but... Oh, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't worry. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, it's nice to speak to you anyway, because I think it's been, well, I don't know, years, definitely, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Flies, was before right? COVID, so, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it just feels like... Um, we all just sort of lost a couple of years, just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So for sure. Um, for sure. So, um, so yeah, we we um, we had a we had a chat, didn't we, about sort of what what topic uh, might be good to discuss today? Yeah. And uh, great topic, really, programming um, and thinking about sort of how uh, we we take. I, I suppose when I have this kind of podcast is sort of directed towards uh, not just clinicians and, and health professionals, but fitness professionals as well. And I think sometimes this is like, this is somewhere where I mean, we've obviously both been in, involved in CrossFit for a long time, but I think this is something where uh, for one of the best expression, maybe like traditional sort of physios, osteos, chiros, etc., maybe lack um, a lot of confidence and experience in, in knowledge this area. So I think it could be really, really helpful yeah. for, for them. So when I was thinking about this and thinking about questions, I thought the, the you know, and you made a great point about goals being the starting point and that really any program is is going to be obviously individualized and, and start from what their goals and intentions are and i thought yeah. the trouble is i'm going to ask you a question like oh what sets and reps do you use for this and you're going to say it depends on, <laughs> on, the, person, <laughs> depends on the goals so i thought what might be 
what might be a better what might be a better way to go through it is maybe just more general principle wise kind of like rather than a specific example yeah. sort of like in general are there any particular you know principles just exploring the principles you know program wise that you stick to and, and maybe just what your like, principles and process um because i think it's really helpful because you know there 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 are a number of um uh, you know, ways to do things, but um, I'm sure you've got your own kind of personal approach. So maybe, maybe we just start with um, if someone comes in and let's say they're starting from a point of, of, of pain, so you can't necessarily take them straight to performance. Like, where do you start? What, what does that initial consultation look like? Like, what are you, what are you discussing? How do you set goals initially? I think, to be honest, uh, whether they come in in pain or they come in for performance, uh, um, like the first uh, session, the first assessment doesn't necessarily um, change too much. Mm -hmm. I still want to go through like what I really focus on is taking a really good detailed history of how they got to where they are. Um, a lot of people I work with tend to be more on the chronic pain um, like type of scale like i do see some acute cases but generally it's more people that have been struggling for a long mm. time with a specific injury okay. they feel they have tried it all they feel they've uh, tried even rehab etc and they never seem to get better so especially with those cases the main thing is really understanding um how everything started how it evolved and what they have actually tried mm. um because as you were saying like you know, even rehabilitation, even plans uh, sometimes uh, um, may have not been the best for them. Mm. Um, so they feel they've tried it, but maybe there was something missing um, or it wasn't the best uh, um, approach for them. Mm. Um, so it's always, I think, the main key point of, of the first consultation for me is listening and really trying mm. to get to the bottom of uh, what, they're dealing with not just physically so they come in with lower back pain or a sore shoulder and you know they may say well this is affecting me because they want to go back to training you know maybe they're a crossfitter they're frustrated they can't do a full class etc um, but then uh, often there is other motivators uh, behind that and especially with people with uh, chronic pain we see a lot of these with uh, lower back pain um, there's always something more. Uh, mm. And if people have been in pain for years, uh, what I really want to understand that to really be able to set that goal for them is what they're missing out on. Um, mm. I'm sure you have come across these people that, you know, say, oh, I have lower back pain. Um, that affects me because I can't go to the gym. I want to be able to go to the gym. I used to do, I don't know, triathlons or lift weights or, you know, whatever sport or activity they enjoyed. And they focus all on that. But then the more you get them to talk, the more you discover that maybe they stopped going out with friends or maybe they stopped playing football with their kid. Or, yeah. you know, there's so many other things um, that will have added up over the years mm. um, and to me it's really important to really kind of slowly get to the bottom of that and understand okay what is really like what is this pain really affecting in mm. your day-to-day -day life and what is the first thing that we can do that will make you feel better mm. and you know for some people maybe like I don't want to wake up and feel like I'm a 90 years old because I'm all you know stiff in the morning and I struggle to do the stairs 
Uh, mm. For somebody else, maybe, you know, being able to play with their kids will change how they feel day to day. And for somebody else would be more performance related, actually being able to even attend a class. We have that a mm. lot in CrossFit where people, you know, they may scale or change things for a little bit, but then they feel I'm injured, I better not do the class. So they start doing something in the corner by themselves. And that yeah. gets really frustrating and really demotivating. And then they stop altogether. They may stop the membership and say, oh, I'll do something at home. And they may not even do that. And what they're really missing is that community feeling of being able to be in a class. And sometimes just that just needs some education as well, not even a full plan on you know mm. how to approach things to be able to do what they want to do. So it's a great point. And um, you know, these days the you know, healthcare as it's evolved over time has gone from that very biomedical model to biopsychosocial. And yeah. the points you're making are, are exactly that, you know, especially with, you know, in the chronic pain game, you know, people have often been dealing with this, these kind of um, conditions for, for years and there's been a progressive kind of social withdrawal. I, I, yeah, I mean, definitely you can totally relate to that. And I've seen people, you know, back when I used to work in a CrossFit gym, and you'd see them, you know, the class would be going on and they'd be standing, sitting on the sidelines, literally um, yes. you know, unable to participate. And you could you could see how it, how much it was impacting them emotionally. And um, I mean, it's a great point to make because at the end of the day, when we're, as soon as you as soon as you I, th I guess you, you, you as soon as you mention the word programming, you start thinking instantly, you know, your head goes bio. And what you're talking about is. I guess that all encompassing kind of more in a more holistic sense, you know, is not just yeah. is the education, it's it's taking into account their psychological, their emotional well being, um, which is really important. So so once you so you've got your goals, you you've taken a really thorough history. Uh, what's what's the what's the kind of next step in like setting up your your plan with them? So I, I would say the next step is actually asking them what they feel will help mm -hmm. and what mm -hmm. they think is realistic. So I think that once we find the real goal and like the real motivator for them to want to get better, then, um, you know, one of the main issues we have with programs and rehab is lack of adherence. Uh, and I think that usually is connected to either lack of trust in the, in the person um, that is, is giving you a plan. So if it seems that they're not really listening and everything we've discussed so far, like they don't actually try to understand what the problem is, or it may be overwhelmed sometimes as well. Um, if you're assigned too many problem, uh, pro, um, sorry, too many exercises, uh, too big of a program and your life at that at the moment um, can't deal with that. Uh, you have too many obstacles uh, in your day-to-day -day life. Mm. Th that's never gonna work. You can have an amazing rehab plan, like perfect exercises, etc. But if it doesn't fit in their life, uh, uh, that's gonna be a major obstacle. Um, so they may feel committed also, yeah, they may feel committed in the room and say, yes, I'm gonna do it every day or you know, 10 minutes every day or five days a week. <laughs> Exactly, because they do want to get better, but then um, again, trying to figure out what is going on in their life, whether they have um, any stressors or anything that you need to take into account. Um, I think that's really important as well, because um, as soon as they step outside the clinic, their life will happen. 
And, mm. you know, let's say they have, like recently I have um, a new client and she's great, she wants to do a lot, but then she mentioned she actually has somebody in her family being ill. So I know that she will be short on time compared to what she thinks she can do. Mm. And her emotional regulation may, you know, maybe not as good uh, for a period because she has to deal with um, with that stress uh, and her energy therefore won't be as good. So we, her plan, for example, I'm going to have a lot more flexibility in, you know, having maybe blocks that I say, okay, if you are short in time that week or that day, this is what I want you to do. Everything else is optional. It doesn't matter. And, you know, you think you want to do five days, let's take it back. Let's start with four. And then if you deal with that, we go up to five. You know, it's, it's trying to figure out those little changes that you can do to make mm. sure that you set up them up for success. Yeah. Um, not, yeah. That make, yeah, that, make, that makes total sense. So you're trying to get an idea of what their expectations are. And, yeah. and also, you know, so you can avoid, you know, try to align it, you know, what you're delivering with that. But also you're kind of, you have that sixth sense really in that, they don't necessarily <laughs> they don't themselves necessarily know what they um what they need or what they can actually commit to and yeah another great point is that often they they, they come into the clinic and they're very motivated and you know ready to commit the world and the distinction being is that when they step outside the clinic like you said that life hits and has a way of um you know ruining even the best constructed plans um and so you're kind of looking at uh, a step beyond the going okay well with the knowledge that compliance is a big issue how can we set you up for success like you know couldn't put it better yeah. by just sort of giving something that, that they they are going to be able to adhere with uh come rain or shine rather than yeah. the perfect program which requires a big time commitment which you know everything goes perfectly which, let's be honest, how often does that happen? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I, I work with a lot of uh, different clients and I will have, you know, normal people that have full-time jobs and families coming to the clinic and then I work with elite athletes. And of course, that is a little bit easier with elite athletes. You know that uh, mm. they will probably commit and they will probably do every session and yeah. you almost run into the opposite problem and making sure that they don't start doing too much and they don't have their mm. work and they don't, you know, um, try to rush um, their rehab. Um, but, you know, with a person that has a full-time job and a family, etc., you, you can't not take that into account. And I think you mentioned earlier, you know, there may be some clinicians out there that they haven't really been taught all of these. They, mm. you know, they looked at rehab 10 years ago or they still have a quite a mechanical view of the body and, you know, rehab in that realm ends up being really what exercises, what sets, etc. And when the person comes back and says, well, I only did one session or I couldn't really do them or, you know, I didn't feel confident to do them by myself. Uh, all these little mm. things and they're like well you have to be more committed or you have to be more consistent but consistency doesn't work that way and it also is not I, I feel especially in social media nowadays we all you know that self-help uh, 
um, forces mm. like, oh, you have to be motivated, you have to be consistent, and if you have those, you'll overcome everything, whether it's rehab or performance. Uh, um, but that almost ends up being a, uh, being forced to be perfect. Like, I know that if I give a plan to somebody, they will miss sessions and they won't do everything in a session and that's fine um, because we also need to work on that kind of mental aspect of what training and what rehab looks like that is never going to be perfect. And I do expect that from people and that's fine, um, but they need to learn to accept that as well. Because they think, oh, I have to be consistent. It means that I have to be 100% consistent. I have to do this every day or it won't work. And that can spiral down. They miss one session. They stop doing it because they think that, oh, what's the point? And yeah, that's something really important. And if we don't take care um, in consideration everything that, you know, we were saying that psychosocial aspects um, will miss that. Yeah. And it's so it's it sounds like because I'm I'm trying to sort of as you're explaining the these concepts really well I'm trying to sort of deconstruct and and distill it into so it sounds like you're kind of an, anticipating rather than, than reacting so proactively anticipating from from your experience of where the people that don't do well what happens to them what what are the the uh, speed bumps in the road that steer them away from a good outcome and it's these kind of barriers to compliance setting setting kind of the standard the expectations way too high to a point that's going to spiral down and then you're discussing with them that with them on the first session maybe coming up with a bit more of a realistic plan that's going to give them a, a some some quick wins some low-hanging fruits they can go yes i'm making progress here and then be able to kind of turn that that downward spiral up and then you know keep keep going from keep going from there um so yes yeah yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't say I necessarily discuss uh, um, all of this with them because sometimes we can have the opposite effect that if mm-hmm. you point something out, that's, you know, what they're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. But if I have a feeling that, you know, some somebody comes in and tells me that uh, there's so much happening in their life um, on top of their injury or, you know, what they want to work on, I am aware there may be, you know, obstacles um, to their rehab that are, you know, separate from what they feel physically. So I may start with, you know, as you were saying, a more simple plan, maybe less exercises, maybe get a touch point uh, um, a little bit sooner than I would with somebody that, you know, their only preoccupation at the moment is uh, getting better. Mm-hmm. Um as you're saying, so that we can get a quick win or we can assess straight away, um, maybe in a week time, maybe in two weeks time, they may have two or three simple exercises. And then if I see that they can deal with that, then we had more. Um, and yeah, it's finding that balance. Yeah. And when it comes to exercise selection, because especially with somebody like you mentioned, who is kind of short on time and you said and you as you say you maybe only got a couple two or three exercises realistically you can actually prescribe them how do you how do you go what's your kind of decision making process in going like "Mm, well there's 500 exercises i could do (laughs) why how am i going to pick these three because i think i think you mentioned this earlier is that oftentimes when people haven't done well they've been 
given and I, I myself have this experience when I've seen like second opinions and I've said oh well, so what ex what's your extremely exercise and they've literally got like 50 um and exactly like you said they've they just kind of honestly admitted and often seem to you know feel a bit guilty about it like like you said as well is that they they feel like they failed like oh, I've got these 50 exercises but you know I can't I can't do them um so yeah. I think that's a point that would really help people is to sort of um is to is to kind of have an idea of okay how do I sieve these exercises to come out with the two or three that are going to make the biggest you know difference to that to that person and I mean that's really hard to um yeah, yeah to answer because <laughs> it depends on the condition of course yeah oh here we are we're back in, exactly in terms of uh, yeah <laughs> if I had to distill this to some principles I think that yeah. you know the order I usually tend to go um to is trying to re-establish uh, the range of motion, the right range of motion for okay. joints that is in pain. Um, and I would say I do that functionally, not in the sense of picking what we call like functional exercises, but in the sense of what function do they need to achieve? Because uh, if they are um, in a sport that requires a lot of overhead movements, their range of motion requirement will be different from somebody that just sits at a desk all day. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we want to, first of all, reestablish that baseline that they need for the activity that they want to do. Um, because if the range of motion is not enough for what you want to do, eventually you're going to end up in pain again. Yeah. Uh, your body will have to compensate in a way or the other. So I would focus on uh, um, exercises that probably um, work on the range first. And then once we achieve that, um, I probably tend to lean towards strength before endurance. Mm -hmm. uh, but that may be just because I tend to be in sports and, you know, see people coming from strength sports. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, maybe the triathlete or the endurance runner may need a little bit of muscle endurance before we rebuild strength. Um, that is something that will have to depend case on case. Um, and what I tend to use a lot is actually um, what we call like dynamic active flexibility exercises mm -hmm. so that you are strengthening but throughout the range of motion and this can be loaded as well. Um, those tend to be really, really good because they can be used as warm up um, or cool downs from their workout uh, or mm -hmm. for somebody that hasn't got much time, just 10 minutes at home you know that you will see a lot of changes, quite big changes quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And, um, the other thing on that point, uh, I suppose you're also taking into account what equipment people have available yeah. and lack of, cause I guess you've got the people where you've got those two, you know, well, I'm generalizing, obviously, but those groups where you've got elite athletes who are obviously going to have access to pretty much everything gym-wise. So your selection is a broader in that sense. But then you've got, yeah. I suppose, the people who maybe uh, or, or might, for example, only be able to do these while they're at home or, or you know, without with maybe a, just a base, basic equipment, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I tend, like, if I know that the person is not going to be able to do a full program, I tend to select uh, really simple exercises anyway, because, again, 
that increases the chances they are actually going to do them if they have <laughs> okay. to like even if you know a lot of people nowadays that have some sort of equipment at home especially after covid uh, a lot of the people that i see coming through that will have some dumbbells or kettlebells or you know something at home that they can use but again if uh, you have to go through setting up your space and looking at the exercises all those are all barriers and if i already know that that person needs three quick exercises or is not going to be able to to do them mm. um i want to remove that as much as i can so i if i can i will even just go to body weight or if not it may be something super easy where they just need to pick up a bottle of water at home or one dumbbell or you know something that it requires minimal effort so they can focus on what they need to do okay okay and you mentioned about strength there um what to you is constitutes um strength and obviously i'm, I'm i know i'm getting into the territory of it depends again <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's always going to be relative but i'm just thinking uh because especially you know with your with your background um you know working crossfit you know powerlifting that kind of stuff the thing i find often the time is that at least in the physio world is that generally speaking it, sort of top end strength is never even touched we don't even go in venture into those territories it, it always i mean the heaviest resistance you probably get to is like a dark colored theraband <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so yeah. What, what like for you i mean let's just take the example of rather than like the elite athlete it's just the sort of the, the general population person who maybe has some basic experience of of gym work but um like when you're prescribing strength what sort of territory are we sort of talking you know like rep and set wise load that that kind of thing yeah, again, that will depend on the stage they're in. But um, let's take somebody that trains uh, um, like recreationally, but mm. they train in the gym and they do squat bench and deadlift, or they're kind of you know meddling in powerlifting competitions at a low level. Those type of people will likely have a program. But if they start developing, let's say, hip pain or back pain, and they are unable to squat, mm. um, things I'm looking at is what is like their top end um, strength. So I want to see, uh, I want to know what their number, um, what, sorry, what their number were before uh, getting injured, mm -hmm. um, because that already gives me an idea of what the kind of level of training they have been doing. Because, yeah. um, you know, if your top squat is 80 kilo versus uh, 210, you will have a really different training yeah. history there and your body will be able to, um, you know, to absorb different um, stressors. Um, so that will kind of uh, um, come into consideration as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they are injured, uh, I'm just starting to reintroduce the exercises, trying to get them to be pain-free in their chosen exercises as much as we can and then uh, i mean strength can be it doesn't necessarily mean uh, um looking at 80 percent squat for you know three or, or five reps because um, <laughs> i know you want the answer but it's not necessarily that sometimes <laughs> also because my role is not necessarily to prescribe their training program so what i tend to do a lot of is okay somebody comes in they have a program 
and I'll adjust that. I'll modify things. I may give a warm-up or a cool-down that integrate the rehab exercises that we need. And the strength may, may be in those exercises because, you know, they may be strong overall, but they may struggle to control a certain part of the range. Mm. Um, so I may do a loaded eccentric exercise uh, for that part of the range and that's still strength to me because we are strengthening um that joint it doesn't necessarily mean is you know strength exercise like a heavy squat um mm. and that's a lot of what i do um for a lot of people that that train regularly mm. um and it's kind of working then with their coaches or around what they're supposed to be doing modifying rather than give a complete new program um, but then they can't follow or they are struggling to match with, you know, their own, uh, and time becomes an issue again. Yeah. So, it, so it, it's, uh, I, I suppose staying within the realms of, of, of your role, because you've got, as you say, you've got some people who've already got a pre-existing program, um, and you don't want to mess with it too much, but mo modifying it in a way where yeah. they can they can you know keep things ticking over um and you know on the uh, just off the top of my head i mean i think you you mentioned also scaling before etc modifying uh you know movements in this in this example uh i mean i guess that could be a i mean that could be a podcast on its own but is there anything i mean let's say for example um rather than making it too general common one is that say you know with um hip bend movements with deadlifts if somebody's got a sore lower back are there any particular you know helpful modifications that you found uh, you know particularly kind of um good ones that can keep people going in that in that instance um yeah actually you know i have a client that we worked on this it comes from um, a different crossfit gym from where i am but he will give me the program for the week and I will just adjust exercises for him. I think with any exercise and with modifications, uh, the two things that we want to know are what are the triggering exercises? Because we know that some exercises will be probably more triggering for a certain issue. Like if we take lower back pain, any hinging exercises. So we have your deadlifts, so your Olympic lifting, um, cardio as well. Like if you think of rowing or skiers, um, and then we have all the more gymnastics one, like burpees, uh, sit-ups, JG sit-ups, toes to bar. Is all those movements where you go from flexion to extension. Uh, we know that all of them uh, tend to create problems. Uh, um, if somebody has acute lower back pain or even chronic lower back pain, but not everybody will be, you know, their pain will be triggered by all these exercises. So I don't want to remove all of that if I don't have to. Mm. Um, so once we know, uh, for example, I have problems if I do rowing and total bar and burpees, but deadlifts are fine, perfect, keep you know, keep deadlifting. And if toes to bar are an issue, then I may try to figure out why. It's like, maybe you're pushing your range too much. Can you touch your toes? If you can't, probably, you know, there's an issue there. Mm. So then we can maybe include some modifications that work on what the issue is. Um, and, you know, they make them feel like they're still doing the workouts. They just have a different exercise for that 
specific one that is causing the issue. Um, and it just goes a little bit further from what our coach would normally do in a class, just because we then um, adjust the modification or focus the modification on what they actually need to rebuild yeah. that, uh, that skill, which yeah. of course a, a coach won't have time to, to do in a normal class. And that's why it's important. I think even for coaches to work with a trusted therapist, so, mm. you know, the two can go together and, you know, the person will be more motivated doing their rehab and at the same time, they will be motivating us sticking around in the class and gym or whatever yeah. program, training yeah. program they're following. That's a really important distinction um, you, you made. And it, and also, it's, just, it's like you say, it's collaborative uh, sort of working because the, the time constraints the coach has in the class they need to come up with a scale quickly that that's that's doable and they can't they can't break down exactly yeah uh, why but what you're saying is that when you've got them in that individual session as a therapist is that rather than it just being a case of thinking about the scale is it's like breaking down clinically reasoning okay well if you if you're getting pain during toast bar why are you getting pain during toast bar exactly and then that leads you to um the, the kind of dissection of that gives you your basis for your your plan going forwards awesome okay i'm just conscious because zoom is is telling me that it's going to boot me out soon and i don't want to yeah. miss um your course because you've got uh, a couple of courses uh, that you've been you know working really hard on coming up tell us tell us a bit about them what, what what's um what's coming up yes yeah, so um i have two things coming up one will be in august and it's more uh, like membership and training programs um it will be um, a progressive uh, uh, plan uh, that people that are either in pain, injured, or that have never trained before, they can jump on um, and that they will be able to choose between two, three, four days training a week. Um, and then there will be lots of heads on um, like flexibility um, programs uh, um, that they can do if they're experiencing um, other issues or they want to focus on a specific uh, problem. So yeah, that's coming up in August uh, and is for people, uh, for themselves to train, but for therapists and coaches um, in September. And I'm not really sure whether it's going to be the beginning or end of September <laughs> because of the little one <laughs> making it a lot harder uh, for me to work. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a 10-week course, uh, management of the functional fitness uh, and strength athlete. And it's going to um, basically, we're going to uh, dig deeper on everything that we have been discussing today. Um, first of all, for therapists that are not um, as confident or comfortable with um, sports like functional fitness or, you know, high intensity type of training, um, strength sports like powerlifting, weightlifting, um, the course will introduce them to those exercises, what to look out for, what are common injuries, um, and where we see um, like what exercises tend to trigger pain and how to modify for them as well. And for uh, the therapist is understanding, um, yeah, this and for coaches is understanding injuries um, and how they can keep people training, uh, what red flags they have to look out for, when it's time to refer. Um, so we are combining the two and yeah, in a 10 week course, uh, hopefully people will enjoy. Yeah, it's the first awesome. one. So yeah, just follow me. There will be more updates coming up in the next four, um, few weeks. Good point. Um, where, where's the best place to, for people to, to follow you? 
and everything you're doing? Uh, definitely Instagram um, is uh, sonia.recoverstronger. Um, and then from there, you can find links to uh, my programs. Um, you'll find links to a newsletter, um, a weekly movement uh, newsletter as well that I just started. Uh, so everything nice. is on there. Cool, cool. Well, of course, I'll put all the links to, to those in the uh, show notes and everything and and, um, uh, and share on, on on Instagram and everything. And um, Thank hey, you. look, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's really great to just catch up with you um, in general anyway, especially after so long. And um, yeah, just one thing before signing off is, yeah, just to thank you again for, for taking the time to come on because I know you're extremely busy. And I think, <laughs> uh, you know, on the topic of that we talked about today about, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the difficulties in general or the challenges, the time commitments in life and everything, uh, I think you're, a, you know, you're a real shiny example, uh, you know, to I'm sure all of your clients and everyone else out there that, you know, you just make it happen, you know, as a therapist, as an athlete, et cetera, <laughs> you've got your little one. So yeah, just just want to say, keep doing your thing because it's very it's very inspiring. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm trying. It's, uh, it's it's definitely been a learning curve, um, time wise. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, it's really nice. I'm enjoying it a lot, and yeah. And hey, she's been good. As thank gold you for, for having this whole me. Episode. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was sleeping. She's been really good. So <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> well, I hope she gets well soon. Yeah, you guys take care. Thank you. And um, yeah, we'll have to get you on again at some point in future to because it's like there's so many things to talk about, right? It's difficult to get it all in 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. So yeah, hopefully cool. speak soon. Take care. Ciao. See Thanks. You later. Bye. 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 Bye.